This is episode 94 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are, This storm shows just how easily you can be cut off during an emergency. Emergency power options for your home, gas generators, and more. And 23 things a prepper should never throw away. Why? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Let's go ahead and get started. Our first article comes to us from ReadyNutrition.com. And again, the title of the article is, This Storm Shows Just How Easily You Can Be Cut Off During an Emergency. Tropical Storm Cindy made landfall in the United States on Thursday and left plenty of devastation in its wake. Nine people have died, including a 10-year-old boy, and emergencies have been declared in Alabama and Louisiana. Evacuation requests have been issued in several states and multiple levees have been damaged. But perhaps what's most worrisome is how many roads have been closed due to rising floodwaters. Quote, Meanwhile, authorities in the small town of West Alton, Missouri, urged residents to evacuate Wednesday and shut down traffic along a busy section of the Missouri River as a downpour of rain continued to flood parts of the Midwest. Authorities said Wednesday that it's unclear when traffic would be reopened along the closed 14.5-mile stretch of the Mississippi River. The passageway vital for transporting goods and agricultural products was closed by the U.S. Coast Guard due to high water and a swift current. According to Missouri transportation officials, I-55 was reopened Thursday after rising water levels on the Muramec River forced its closure. A 57-mile stretch of I-44 from central to southern Missouri is closed, along with a 23-mile stretch in suburban St. Louis, according to the AP. More than 270 roads remain closed across the state Wednesday, Missouri transportation officials said. End quote. Keep in mind that this storm was relatively small. It was substantial, but it was no Hurricane Katrina. When it made landfall, the wind speeds were significantly less than what you'd see in a Category 1 hurricane. And yet, it still managed to damage levees and shut down large stretches of road, as well as vital waterways. And that's important for preppers to keep in mind because, as you all know, when the trucks stop delivering food, medicine, and fuel, everything grinds to a halt. And if blocked roads hinder our transportation system for too long, our modern society will disintegrate. Obviously, most storms aren't capable of doing that, but it just goes to show how easy it is to disable our transportation system. Our society is extremely reliant on the just-in-time delivery of goods. Our grocery stores and gas stations aren't designed to store large amounts of supplies in case of an emergency. They're designed to supply your immediate needs and they rely on daily deliveries to remain operable. That's why when disaster strikes, there's, there are almost always shortages. So don't be unprepared for the next disaster, whatever it may be. Have a plan for any situation and maintain a diverse supply of survival food because when the trucks stop delivering, there's no telling where your next meal is going to come from. So this is a short article, but I wanted to read it uh, mainly because... You know, uh, I had mentioned that Cindy was headed uh, towards Houston, towards the Houston area. So uh, I mentioned that I believe on the podcast. And I also mentioned that on the on the Facebook pages or Facebook group as well. Uh, you know, just kind of uh, putting it out there that we were watching the storm and it was supposed to come make landfall somewhere between Houston and the Louisiana border. 
and really uh, as as it got closer and closer to the storm coming and 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 uh, arriving on landfall. Uh, you know the the weather channels and and everything that we were monitoring kept telling us that everything you know west of I-45, which you know we are, we're west of I-45, uh, wasn't going to really see any any real significant rain or, or anything like that. Because there at first they were they were uh, forecasting four to eight, you know, eight to twelve inches. And so, you know, that when you start seeing that kind of stuff, you're like, hey, especially in our area, about a, a little over a year ago, we had a pretty bad flood, and, and things were locked down for about three or four days. And uh, y'all know that I work in the school system, and we had about uh, eight to twelve schools. I can't remember exactly the the amount, but they had they had significant water damage. So, I mean, that's all fresh on everybody's mind, and um, so you don't want to take. Uh, you know, take it lightly when you hear that you know eight to twelve inches of rain are gonna you know gonna uh, are possible. And then the the thing was that the storm was uh, going pretty slow. But the fact is is that it was almost a non-event. I mean, we it, we barely got a little bit of rain where we were, and uh, we got some wind, a little bit of rain. But it was a non-event for us. But it did go, it did uh, catch landfall, and then it kind of started moving, you know, northeast and and, and went up that way and. Uh, you know, uh, I remember my dad, uh, you know, we were talking on the phone about it and uh, he said, yeah, there was a, uh, a little, a little 10 year old boy who had lost his life. I, I mean, I don't know the situation behind that, but it's just, you know, something is, is, as simple as, uh, you know, a tropical storm. Uh, I mean, that's not simple, but you know, we're not talking about hurricane here. We're not talking hurricane strength, but the damage to, um, you know, to to infrastructure is always possible to where you might not be able to get to, uh, or or supplies might not be able to get into where you are. So that's why it's always prudent to uh, have your supplies and make sure you know don't wait, you know, for a storm to be brewing in the Gulf or brewing wherever you are, or uh, you know. Uh, uh, winter that's coming and, and you know you hear about a, a possible blizzard you want to have all that stuff ahead of time because uh, when when things you know life starts happening things start happening and you want to be able to be prepared right off you know uh, at the bat and not have to uh, play games and try to play catch up so just a good reminder out there uh, if you are if you're on the fence about stocking up and 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 you know creating your preparedness plan and those kinds of things maybe you're new to the podcast you've hit it from itunes or stitcher or one of the other podcast networks and you're just you know new to listening kind of checking it all out hey so uh you know this is this is why we prep uh, it's not for the big doomsday prepper type thing you know hey the end of the world all that kind of stuff sometimes it's as simple as a tropical storm that cuts off uh, you know the our ability to go to the store for a couple of days and that's why you want to uh, have you know enough food and and water and you know like you know electricity or at least lights and stuff like that to be able to uh, to be able to maneuver in a situation like that all right so uh, again that's from readynutrition.com uh, that's a it's a short article there are some links in there that you can go check out all right our next article comes to us from common sense homesteading um, the title is emergency power options for your home gas generators and more so um, Lori's going to talk about three different 
options here. Actually, uh, this is a guest post. Uh, it's actually an older article that she's kind of resurrected and, and updated a little bit. Um, so she, uh, there's two options here. It's a guest post, two options, and she adds one of her own. And so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that, kind of, kind of bouncing off of our first article. So let's go ahead and start reading this one. When hit with a natural or man-made disaster, small or large, that takes out the grid, it's not long before lack of electricity affects us. How do I keep the food cold and the house warm? When will the power come back on? How do I keep the phone charged so I can maintain contact with the outside world? When a major storm hits, it can take weeks to get the power grid back in operation. The bigger the outage, the longer repairs are likely to take. See when the power grid fails, 10 things you need to prepare for more information on preps for a grid down situation. There are many ways to have an emergency power or have emergency power when the rest of the neighborhood is dark. So there's a nice little graphic here about emergency power and a transfer switch. Emergency power option number one, gas generator. The simplest emergency power option is to get a small gas generator and a large can of gasoline. Long ex extension cords can be run to vital items like refrigerator, freezer, and microwave. Appliances are easy to power from a generator. They have cords attached. Powering something like your furnace is more difficult. You would have to open the wiring junction box and splice in a cord in. This is easy for an electrician to jerry-rig. It is not for an average homeowner. If you plan ahead, you can have a transfer switch installed next to your existing electric panel. When this transfer switch is installed, you can run a large cord from the generator to a dedicated receptacle that feeds a small critical load subpanel. For the most part, a generator doesn't need to back up your entire house, just vital items. The transfer switch prevents you from backfeeding the utility grid. See Solar Electric Basics for more information on this danger. By isolating your generator from the main panel. Editor's note. Top photo in the post is our generator doghouse, which is hardwired into our home power system. Photos below show primary and secondary breaker boxes in our home. So again, a couple of, uh, a couple of pictures there that you can go check out. All right. Um with the secondary breaker box and all that good stuff there. All right, so gas generator pros. Power when you need it, portability, re relatively inexpensive. Gas generator cons. They're noisy, need refueling, smelly exhaust, and fixed power capacity. A generator has a rated power output listen, listed in watts or kilowatts. They can also produce small bursts of power needed for motors starting, but then go back to their rated amount. If you aren't using much power, the generator still is running, wasting energy. A small generator can cost a few hundred dollars to upwards of 2000 Editor's note, we're currently housing our generator in a modified Suncast BMS 4700, the stowaway horizontal storage shed. The guys put uh, lowers in the end of airflow and cut a hole through on the door of the for exhaust pipe. Small holes were punched in back of, in the back of the unit so the plugs could reach the tile the tie in on the side of the garage. Uh, you know that's something to consider there. You know when we go up to the country, uh, and I was going to talk a little bit about this here in in a minute, but when we go up to the country, our generator is just kind of out in the open. Of course, if it starts raining or it looks like it's going to start raining, we bring it in, and we have a little uh, we have a cover in the back that we can that we can use. But this is something that we have talked about 
having for a more permanent solution uh, when it when it gets to it because we need to be able to uh, protect it from you know the wind and the rain and and you know the elements or all that kind of stuff. So uh, if you're looking for something like that, you can go do that. You know, Lori lives out on the homestead, so they need you know something out there to. Uh, you know, on a regular basis. I don't know if she's completely on generator power or not. I don't think so. But, uh, you know, that's a nice little setup that she has there. Um, you just want to make sure you can get the exhaust out and the exhaust can, uh, you know, doesn't um, store up all in that one little uh, shed. But she has some uh, reviews for gas generators that you can go check out here uh, on this article and go, uh, you know, see what they what they say. You really, when it comes to gas generators, um, well, let me let me stop there and let me get to the rest of the article and then I'll come back on that. All right, emergency power option number two, battery backed up systems. Next rung up on an emergency electric power food chain or battery backup systems. These are not car batteries, but deep cycle ones. They are heavier, more expensive, and designed differently. Battery backup systems have a battery bank that is connected to an inverter. The inverter changes the 12 volt or 24 volt DC voltage to a usable 120 or 240 volt AC voltage used in your house. Then the inverter is connected to the critical load panel through the transfer switch. Some hybrid inverters already incorporate the transfer switch internally connecting automatically, fast enough that your electronic items won't know that there is an outage. Uh, so there's uh, some examples of deep cell batteries that you can go check out. The battery backed up system pros is quiet operation, no gas exhaust, cordless, and no refilling of gas tank. The battery backed up system cons, limited amount of power available before they need to be recharged, may require a small generator to recharge them during prolonged outages. However, one hour of generator runtime can keep the batteries charged for hours. For short interruptions lasting only a couple of hours, the batteries can keep things going and then recharge when the power returns. Moving up on the list is to have solar panels recharging the batteries, but that is the most expensive system and is an article all in itself. See Surviving Without the Grid Emergency Backup Power for more information. So uh, there's another little diagram here that uh, diagrams the, the battery backup. Um, when, when it gets to batteries and we start talking about batteries, there's that one, uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember the guy's name right now. It's, it's totally escaping me. The guy who does Tesla, um, they have that wall battery bank. And I don't know too much about it. haven't really looked into it. Uh, but from what I understand, it's supposed to be pretty powerful and it's not too, too expensive. I mean, it, I mean, it is a cost, uh, but you know, when you're, when you're thinking about power options and different things like that, and you're talking about big solar panels. I mean, these are big batteries that like are in your wall. Uh, you know, they are, they do, uh, recharge with, you know, with electricity or whatever, but they, they are a big, big battery bank. I believe they have a solar option as well. Uh, but uh, I know that some guys from church were talking about it at one point, that that's a viable solution. I just never really looked into it. I don't know if maybe if anybody has or if anyone has one of those. Uh, I, mean, I can't remember the guy from Tesla. Anyway, uh, if you uh, if you ha have one of those, you know, let us know in the comment section. Let us know what you think about it and how it's working for you. And uh, you know, I'd be interested in hearing from someone who uh, really has that uh, installed already. All right, so let's keep moving. There's one more, and uh, this section was added by Lori uh, because um, you know they they've used this on their homestead. So emergency power option number three: spot chargers. 
To provide lighting and power for small electronic devices, consider solar or crank-powered lamps and chargers. We've added a several, several solar or crank products to our emergency preparedness supplies, including a lantern with a solar panel and hand crank for charging that also has a USB charger built in for charging cell phones and other small electronics. LED crank flashlights and emergency radio with solar panel crank power flashlights and cell phone chargers. For short outages, having a little light in contact with the outside world can make the time fly much faster. The new LED products provide a lot more light at a fraction of the power requirements of older flashlights. See our favorite basic emergency flashlight. Lamps often come with different lighting levels like the one, ab like the one above. So you can set it bright enough for reading or turn it down to night light level to conserve power. These three options are all light and portable and would also be handy for camping. BioLite now offers products that provide power directly from a small camp stove, so you can do double or triple duty with one piece of equipment. Cook or heat water, charge a phone, and provide lighting. All right, so um, again, the article was written by a uh, by an electrician, and uh, Lori added that last little piece there. Um, so a couple of things, uh, there's some comments here, and then uh, I wanted to briefly talk about this. Um, when you're talking about using uh, an off-grid solution, or uh, not just off-grid, but uh, you know, not using your electrical power, you know, using a generator, using backup, backup batteries, whatever, uh, battery bank, um, you're not going to be able to live like you normally live, like when the AC or AC power, you know, your electricity is on. Uh, so uh, that's one thing to consider. So somebody who wants to put in one of these transfer switches, and you you would have to have a, a really really big um, generator, even even like a, a 6500 watt is not going to. It'll power your whole house. It won't allow you to like run your dryer if you have an electric dryer. It, it might, depending on how, what size generator you have, but you definitely won't be able to run your electricity or your uh, your AC, right? Um, you won't be able to if you have central air in in heat. Like down here in Houston, it would be miserable uh, if like the power went out right now. It definitely would be miserable. So um, one of the things to consider is. Uh, living out of a small room, and uh, if you if you do have um, you know a generator, in, in which I I do believe everyone should have one. They're not that expensive. Uh, you just need to maintain them and run them, and, and you know due diligence in that respect. But um, you know if, if for whatever reason, if the power went out for a couple of days, and you had a couple of gas tanks uh, that you could go and, and and refill, and you can find gas. You could live out of a room and have a, um, you know, have a, a window unit, an AC window unit uh, there, you know, cooling off that room. So, for instance, here in the Houston, Houston area or down in the south where it's miserable, you could cool off a room and people could sleep in there and could stay in there and can, you know, live, live, live there and, uh, until the, the electricity came back on. If it's one of those short-term power outages, if it's a long-term power outage, or if it's a uh, you know the big one, yeah, that's all. We're we're mostly talking about just short power outages right here, where you can continue to refill your 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 generator with gas. Um, the battery banks are going to be another thing. When, when you're talking about that, you're just talking primarily being able to power like cell phones and being able to power radios or recharge batteries for radios and uh, possibly uh, 
hook up your your uh, if you have a big enough inverter hook up your refrigerator to it and let it run every one or two hours so that you can um, you know keep the food frozen in there I, I talked about recently uh, having an inverter off of your car battery and just kind of running it from there because you know your car your vehicle has a big big gas tank and so that's something to consider you can always use that as well if you have a big enough inverter coming off of that uh, but you know when you're talking about a battery bank you're not talking about you know running your TV and, and 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 running a window unit you're not talking about any of that kind of stuff it's just the basics there and so uh, you know something to consider uh, one of the comments does talk about having uh, a dual or their generator has was converted over to use propane and uh, you know, I do have one of those for the country. So it's a it's a dual fuel. It's it's uh, gasoline and also propane. It could be one or the other. And so our uh, our goal when we get up there and uh, you know get it to a point where we are are able to do this is to have one of the big pig propane uh, uh, containers. You know, the, the the humongous ones where you can connect a uh, you know a propane generator. To, and then provide power that way if you need to, if you, if you need it, or just, you know, for certain times or whatever. One of those big, uh, you know, my dad's place when we were growing up, he had a place in, out in the country growing up. Uh, all the years that we were there, and we, we only went up there on the weekends, and sometimes in the summertime we would spend, uh, you know, a couple of weeks up there. But, um, you know, all the time that we were up there, he only refilled it one time, so it lost a whole, whole long time. Uh, if you, um, of course, if you're using it to power a generator, it's going to be used uh, up a lot faster. But I mean, that's definitely a viable situation or solution that you can have up there is having one of those dual dual type generators where you can switch out that way uh, and and use propane. And in one of the comments, one of the one of the somebody who left the comment said uh, because Lori asked the question, you know, how did the LP provider? Uh, you know, consider the liability and all that in, in doing that. And she said the LP provider installed it for him. So oh, the ability to hook up his, uh, his generator. So that's a, that's a great deal right there to be able to have that option for you. So um, there you go. If you have that, um, you also have the big, you know, somebody, somebody left a comment about the big like Generac generators that run on uh, natural gas and they're connected and so if your power goes off they they all you know automatically kick on you know and you you don't even miss a beat um, those are those are uh, a possible solution but uh, you know they're not very portable once you install those they're like they're in the ground and you know or they're there they're going to stay wherever they are and they're not going to move so that is an option as well all right, so let's go ahead and move on to our next article or to our last article. It comes to us from askaprepper.com. It's 23 things a prepper should never throw away and why. And uh, I kind of like these articles because there's always, uh, you know, you think about, you know, reusing and recycling and, and upcycling and all those kinds of things. And, and it's amazing how we throw away things that, you know, um, people, you know, people can use and people can put to use. The only problem I see with something like this is becoming a hoarder or becoming, you know, just having junk everywhere, you know. Uh, if Something like this, you definitely want to be organized. So let's go ahead and read this one. 
It's no doubt that most of the developed world lives with the luxury of disposable everyday items and nearly immediately replacement for well-planned out supply chain stores. But you must always consider what would happen if the supply chain for household items, hygiene products, food, water, and tools stopped being available. In order to prepare for such an event, preppers around the world save, reuse, and repurpose many items that other folks tend to toss in the trash can. Without further explanation, here are 23 things that a prepper should never throw away. Dryer lint. Dryer lint is extremely flammable. Dryer lint is an easy item to collect, compress, to save on space, and will help to get a fire going for cooking and staying warm when the power is out. Plastic soda and water bottles. Plastic bottles have many uses, but one of the main things they'll be used for by preppers is for drinking water. Water glasses break and need replacing. Plastic bottles won't break when you drop them. They're lightweight and can be sealed for transport. With a drop of bleach, preppers can store, fill, and store otherwise empty plastic bottles with water every day for long-term use while the lights are still on. Old shoes and boots. Most folks buy new shoes when their pair when the pair they have starts to look dingy but are still very functional. Clothing one's feet is something the prepper can't forget to plan for in SHTF. If nothing else, by saving old shoes, the prepper will create a wealth of barter items to trade with people. And you can bet the value of a pair of shoes in a post-apocalyptic world are going to be fairly high. Here's how to make your boots last longer. So there's a link there. Old clothes. Just like old shoes, we tend to give away clothing or throw it away when we have a small hole or stain on our shirt. The prepper knows that we can still use the clothing for wear in a survival situation, but he can use the fabric to mend, replace, and repurpose many household items. Many people don't consider sources of fabric in SHTF, but old clothes are great for that. Wood scraps. This goes without saying, but wood scraps should always be collected, kept organized, stacked, and dry. While it's easy to toss scrap wood in the trash, consider the need to keep a cooking fire going if you haven't had power for three weeks. Cord, string, and rope pieces. From sewing clothes to securing shelter, string, cord, and rope will be a highly valued item with, that the prepper should never toss to the curb. It's very easy to fold, wrap, and store spare cordage, so never throw it out. Wire. There are two types of wire that preppers should never throw away. Conductive and non-conductive wire. Conductive wire should be saved as barter pieces for barter for electric repair or for making a tin can directional Wi-Fi antenna to extend your communication after an EMP. Non-conductive wire should be saved for utility and fastener use. Don't throw even a hand-length piece of wire away. Instead, organize it and put it away in a dry spot. Spare nuts, bolts, and screws. In an extended grid-down situation, folks will eventually set up some form of commerce. If you're astute, you can provide income for your family post-SHTF and repair items as needed, collecting all the spare fasteners that most folks throw in the garbage. Additionally, here's a comprehensive list with the tools you will need when SHTF. Use candles. The prepper can scra scrape out the last bit of wax and use candles. When enough wax is collected, it can be melted and consolidated to one candle container. New wicks are fairly easy to make. When the lights go out for good, a source of light like candles will be invaluable. Here's how to make 30-hour survival candles with, candles with soy wax. Broken crayons. Children are great for making broken crayons, but don't throw away the broken ones away. Instead, remove the wrappers and throw the pieces in with your saved-use candle pieces so they too can be used to make more candles. Broken pencils. Broken pencils can be cut in half 
long way, exposing graphite. The prepper can store these in a glove box of a car. When either end of exposed graphite in the pencil is hooked up to a car battery and cable, it turns red hot and bursts into flames. Every prepper's bug-out vehicle should have a, a bag of cut-in-half pencils. Don't throw them out. Zip ties. Extra zip ties come with all sorts of products as extra fasteners. We tend to throw them out, but the prepper cannot throw them away. These are too useful. Zip ties had hundreds of uses and take up virtually no space. Coffee grounds. Did you know that you can run your coffee grounds through your coffee machine twice? Some people like weak coffee and some like a less caffeinated cup of coffee before bed. One can also use coffee grounds as compost for the garden. Vegetable scraps. Plant and veg... Plant and veggie scraps can be used for compost, just like coffee grounds, but the prepper can also throw these scraps out of their chi- for their chickens to eat. Hair clippings. Hair clippings are another great addition for your garden compost pile. If you are thinking of throwing that pile of hair on the floor away, don't. Your garden will love the nutrients added to the compost pile. Soap chips. Usually the little leftover soap bars chips go down the drain or are thrown out, but reconsider collecting and compressing them to make new soap bars. In SHTF, the prepper will have to make the most of hygiene products to keep from becoming ill. Toilet paper rolls. Toilet paper rolls are another great source of tinder for starting fires. They can be cut and, cut and flattened out for easy storage. Combine cut-up toilet paper rolls with dryer lint. The prepper will have a warm fire in no time. You can also make your own substitute for toilet paper. So again, uh, another link there that you can check, uh, click on. Broken rubber bands. Broken rubber bands really aren't broken. By tying the two ends together, the rubber band works just fine again. In SHTF, a broken rubber band is still an excellent temporary light-duty fastener. Uh, that might be kind of pushing it, pushing it because rubber bands do. They just deteriorate. Uh, continuing on, expired honey. Raw honey really doesn't expire. Think twice before trashing or canning that jar. Trash canning that jar, sorry. While most commercially bought raw honey shows two years for expiration, the truth is that honey can be stored almost indefinitely when housed in a cool, dry place. Oh, additionally, there are 23 amazing survival uses for honey that you don't didn't know about. Uh, so I'm going to say raw honey, uh, real raw honey doesn't ever expire. And so the stuff that you buy at the store, the fake stuff, yeah, you don't, you definitely don't, you know, I... They have so much. I don't even think that really has any honey in it. After looking at it a while back, uh, you, you you want to try to find a local source for honey. All right, let me continue to move on. Rusted tools. In SHTF, preppers won't have the luxury of going to the hardware store. If tools become rusted or dingy looking, clean them up with oil and store them in the garage. Another man's dingy, rusted tools are another man's lifesaver in SHTF. Old tools are an excellent barter item, and here's a list with 12 essential things you can scavenge from cars when SHTF. So um, I'm just kind of throwing links in there so you can link to another article. Um, but uh, this kind of reminded me here when, when I saw the, this rusted thing. Um, there was, um, you know, those, those videos that they, uh, those five-minute uh, DIY videos or whatever you see on Facebook or whatever. There was one that dealt with rust uh, you know, rust, rust items, and I thought it was pretty interested in, interesting, and I posted it in the Facebook group, uh, something that I wanted to try. A while back, I purchased an old uh, uh, hatchet, you know, hatchet on one side, and uh, kind of like a, 
a hammer on the other side. It's just that, you know, uh, somebody that I knew was selling it for a dollar at a garage sale, whatever. So I, I just went ahead and picked it up. Uh, you know, it, it was rusted out and did try to clean it up a little bit and cleaned up the, the sharpened up the blade a little bit. But I've been wanting to try that, um, that video that I saw. I can't remember what they used on it, but it's on the Facebook group. You can scroll down. I don't think you have to scroll down too, too far to see it. But uh, you can, you know, test that out. And it, it, it got rid of rust. I mean, it was pretty amazing the way they did it. But, uh, you know, I always, when I'm out in the, in the garden in the back and I'm using, uh, like, my, my little folding saws or whatever, you know, cutting down little limbs or, or trimming uh, the palm branches or whatever, I always hit it with WD-40 as well just to stop any kind of rust. Uh, that always seems to help out. All right, continuing on. Metal breath mint containers. These types of containers are great for condensing the last portion of chapstick, balm, and salve. The containers usually fit well right inside a shirt pocket. Breath mint containers also work well for survival kits. Man, I can't tell you enough about just keeping those. They do work out. Um, anyway, so uh, uh, I was going to talk a little bit about something uh, that I recently did. And I might I, I might be doing an article on that, but uh, I not too long ago on Ed That Matters, I posted, I found a bunch of different articles on different uses for those Altoid tins. I'll go ahead and link to that on uh, on episode 94 so you can, if you're interested in that. But yeah, uh, those, uh, you know, there's some people that you know and friends that you know that, that do eat those Altoids. And you can just ask, them, hey, what do you do with the tins afterwards? And if you, you know, if they throw them away, just say, hey, can you keep them for me? I'd love to, you know, I have little projects that I'd like to, you know, use them for. Even if it's something as simple as keeping buttons from sewing or, or you know, whatever. You know, like he was talking about keeping, uh, you know, soap uh, chips or whatever. Something simple like that. Keeping change in your car. There's so many different things you can do. All right, a uh, couple of more before we end this article. Plastic milk jugs. Cut the top of the plastic milk jug and you have an excellent pot for small plants. This is a great way to start your garden and move the sprouted plants to a fixed location when you're ready. Paper clips. I, can, I cannot count the times paper clips are thrown into the trash at an office or put through the shredder, but the prepper wouldn't do that. Paper clips are essentially robust twist ties ready to help the prepper fasten shelters and projects in a post-SHTF world. They can be used as shims for repair mechanics as well. Hopefully this list has inspired you as a prepper to think about items you can also reuse instead of throwing away. So um, there's, about, there's about 24 comments here. So you know, reading the comments, people will you know, usually give out you know, other ideas that you can do. But again, the thing with this is that you, know, you become a, a junk hoarder. You definitely want to stay organized. You know, go to the dollar store and get some bins if you're, you're talking about this kind of stuff. And, and make sure that you stay organized so you know where things are. Uh, so you just don't become a hoarder, but uh, it does make sense. You know, I'm always reminded, I'm going to end with this, I'm always reminded of the scene from the book of Eli, uh, and I know that I've mentioned this before, uh, when, uh, when, when, you know, the, the character from the book of Eli is there with, uh, with the girl, and they're in that, that room, and he's talking about things, you know, she was born, uh, you know, before the lights went out or whatever, before, you know, SHTF. And he says 
that um, he says we threw away things that people fight over now, you know, or people kill each other now for. Uh, and I just I always remember that line that you know there could be a time where you know that that thing that you throw is like ah should I keep it or no should I throw it away and uh, you like nah I'm just gonna throw it away I can always get another one or whatever you know later on down the road other people would just die for that thing right that would be so so important to them. So go ahead and go check out that Ask a Prepper. Or 23 Things a Prepper Should Never Throw Away at askaprepper.com. And go check out uh, check out that article. There are a lot of links. Sometimes the links don't necessarily, necessarily correspond to what uh, what that art or what the, the topic was that we were talking about or that one specific item. But, uh, you know, there's other articles that you can bounce off of. All right. Well, with that, let me go ahead and close out the podcast for today. Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.